Today, this is a message that I've long been waiting to preach about. Uh, before I begin, I, I got I to gotta start with levity, okay? There was a man who had walked into a store and asked the clerk, Hey, can you tell me which aisle the Polish sausage is on? And, and the clerk says, Oh, are you Polish? And, and the man was just very offended. He goes, Excuse me, excuse me. If I had asked for Italian sausage, would you have said, Oh, what are you, Italian? If I'd asked where the German sausage was, would you have assumed that I was German? Why then, when I actually ask where the Polish uh, sausage is, you assume that I'm Polish? And the, the, the clerk says, because this is Home Depot. Okay, now if you are offended, that's exactly what we're talking about today, is being offended, or actually as disciples of Jesus, that we become unoffendable in a very offensive world. Today's passage is from the Sermon on the Mount. <coughs> Excuse me. It has actually been used in a number of ways in sermons for decades, if not centuries, to talk about things that I don't necessarily think that they are really about. Um, you know, is this about pacifism exactly? Is it, is it uh, to justify a non-retaliation? See, I actually believe that it speaks to the idea of becoming unoffendable in God's kingdom in this offensive world that we live in. The the passage that we're going to be in today is in Matthew chapter 5. So if you'll go there, we're almost done with uh, the the fifth chapter of Matthew. We only got two more chapters to go in our study on the Sermon on the Mount and living in God's upside-down kingdom. But if you go to Matthew chapter 5... We're, we're going we're gonna to see this passage, and it's based on an Old Testament law that was found in Leviticus chapter 24, and Jesus quotes it there in verse 38, where he says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. Now, the purpose of that law back in the Old Testament, by the way, it was about restraint. It was about making the punishment equal to the crime. It was about equitable punishment and and not going overboard. In fact, if somebody would hit you and knocked out one tooth, you were not supposed to go all John Wick on him, okay? And if you don't understand that, then ask somebody who is a little bit younger than you. Uh, Don't go Rambo on them, okay? That would be a better uh, understanding. Don't go Rambo on them. Because if you knocked out a tooth, a tooth then was required of you. That was fair. It was equitable. God has always cared about the treatment of his people to be fair, to not be oppressive at all. Now, if this passage was saying, hey, listen, you should be a doormat. If you believe in Jesus, just let people run all over you. If they sin against you, don't worry about it. Just forget it. If that was the case, then in 13 chapters later, in in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus would not have actually taught about what you would do if somebody does sin against you. That you actually to go and confront the person in love and, and say that wasn't good, that wasn't kind. So Jesus is not just saying, hey, be a doormat. That's not what this is all about. Um, th- there, there's a time and a correct way of confronting. And Jesus didn't teach us to pretend that we weren't sinned against, but he was teaching us that God's way of dealing with the sin can be trusted. So I think actually a more relevant application of this passage from the Sermon on the Mount has to do with the things that happen to us that don't require somebody to say, well, you sinned against me and I, you hurt me or you, you injured me or you really damaged me at all, requiring us then to strike back and to take what they had taken from us. Um, Ethan, come on down. Um, So this last year, if you don't know me or if we've just barely met, 
This last year has been kind of a weird year for me, not just with the pandemic, but uh, last Good Friday, back in 2020, I fell, uh, breaking my back so I couldn't preach on Easter. Um, About three months ago or so, I had a dog bite my face. And then I was helping somebody out, and I fell off of a stool. Actually, I broke the stool, time for a weight loss, um, and uh, got a concussion. Um, uh, today, I am even either dealing with a kidney infection or something else down there, and it's not real fun, and it doesn't feel good at all. And so some of you have said, Trey, Jenny should just wrap you in bubble wrap. So we actually... Now you'll say, why? Because you'll remember it. I'll take it off later. Don't. <laughs> Some of you are just worrying. He's never going to take that off. Yeah, I will. But l- l- let me tell you this. Why do I get a sense that there's a growing number of Jesus followers, uh, of believers, who they almost need this kind of treatment for their hearts? They get so offended so easily. Like, oh, somebody called me a name. So, somebody uh, uh, cut me off in traffic. I'm so offended that I need to wrap you in bubble wrap. Okay? And I don't believe that that's how God has intended us to live when we enter into his upside-down kingdom. Cancel culture seems to have seeped its way into the church. Uh, why does it seem that Christians, of all people, are almost chomping at the bit to have their feelings hurt? To be offended. It's not new, by the way. Uh, if you'll uh, just listen to me, I'm going to read to you from uh, the book of John, a very interesting um, lesson that we find in the, in the uh, life of John the Baptist. In John chapter 3, we are told, After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them, as, and he was baptizing. John, by the way, John the Baptist, he was also baptizing. That's why they called him John the Baptist, by the way. He was baptizing at Anon near Salim because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put into prison. But now a discussion arose between some of the John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, and a Jew over purification. They were wondering why he was baptizing, and was that necessary for Jews, by the way? So they came, the disciples came to John, And said, Rabbi, because he was their teacher, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness. Now, who's he talking about there? He's talking about Jesus, okay? He says, that guy, Jesus, that you bore witness to, look, look, he is baptizing and everyone's going to him. And John answered, listen, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I was sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, speaking of himself, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. It's very interesting. You can almost hear uh, the, the disciples of John the Baptist being offended for their master because, well, they, they had been commissioned to baptize people. They were the ones who were supposed to be pointing people to Jesus. And now here's Jesus on the scene, and he's actually finding greater success than they had found. Now, it was supposed to be their work. John and John's disciples were all supposed to be about Jesus. So how quickly, though, that important task turned into a trap that they fell into, a trap of self 
importance. It wasn't the task that is important anymore. It's not the person that they were appointing people to anymore. It was them and their job and their stuff that was now important. This is why John's answer to them is so critical for us to see today, because I believe in this pandemic of Christians being offended. I think that this is the vaccine. It's there in verse 30 when John says, listen, he, meaning Jesus, must increase. I must decrease. In other words, he's saying, yes, that is the plan. He must increase and I must decrease. Church, in a world where dog eats dog, where everybody needs to be watching out for numero uno, it seems, the answer for those of us living in God's upside-down kingdom is that we must decrease as he increases. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Galatians 2. Now that I'm a disciple, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now, here I asked a gut-check question last week. Let me ask you another gut-check question today. Do you? If you have entered into God's upside-down kingdom, if you call yourself a disciple, a follower of Jesus, do you believe that? Do you believe that is actually now your purpose, that God's purpose for you is that you might decrease while Jesus shines through you more and more and more? Now, again, not to belabor the point at all, but today, if you look around, everywhere you turn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, selfies, it's in the marketplace. It's in the, the, the meetings. You'll hear something loud and clear. It's all about me. It's all about us. And yet, believers, though we have made it all about us, uh, and, well, actually, I'd say the whole world, though we have made it all about us, I don't see anybody outside of Jesus really being satisfied. I, I, I think that people are still miserable and, and, and unsettled, and there, there's still so many un, uh, unsettled people, depressed people, so much anger still out there and hostility why? Because we've still made it about us, and we have not made it about somebody bigger than us, better and more important than us. Well, it should be different for us as disciples, where it should be about Jesus. Somehow, for too many believers, I believe the J-E-S has disappeared. It should be about Jesus. Now it's just all about us. Now, let me tell you something shocking. <laughs> the world is going to forget me one day. It will. You, you know, you, you take a walk in a cemetery, and if it's an old enough cemetery, you, you look at those names, and you don't know who those people are. Now, somebody might say, well, that was my great-great-great-great-grandfather, but they still don't know who that person was. Not unless I do something extraordinarily awesome in this life or extraordinarily horrible. I'm not going to be remembered. So why do I think that my life then should all be about me? The world doesn't need me. Uh, you, know, you know, I want to say, oh, I want to make myself better. I want to be a better tray. The world doesn't need a better tray. It needs tray to go away and let people see Jesus in tray. Amen? And same thing with you, by the way. He must in our lives. He must increase. We must decrease. And one way to do that is to begin to discipline ourselves to, to take a gut check and look to see how easily you and I become offended on a, on, a, on a day-to-day basis in order to protect our ego, ourselves, our, our life. We're, we're going to continue in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 39. Jesus continues, and he says, um, he says, But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. 
And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, if you look at that, you can now see how this is not about defending your home or your family. It's not about becoming a pacifist. If you look at Jesus' examples that he uses here, it's a slap in the face. It's being demanded, your tunic demanded from you in court. It's somebody making you carry their stuff for a mile. Now, let me ask you this. Are any of those things detrimental to your life? Does anybody ever die over those kinds of things? I, I think not. What, what they do cause, though, they don't cause death. You know what they cause? They cause insult, right? Get slapped. That, that's hurting my pride, right? That, that's an insult. Slap me. It, 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 it causes imposition. It, it causes inconvenience. And those are the things that Jesus is addressing for those who have claimed him to be Lord and living in his kingdom. He wants us to, to understand that those things are not what he wants, where he wants us to live. So let's look at those three things real quick. First of all, he brings up insult, right? If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, I know I'm not naive. For whatever reason, there are some people out there who are just not content to be nice. They're not content to just live their own lives. So even online, they troll other people. They throw out insults left and right, trying to tear others down so that they can be more self-important. You see it uh, online. You see it in political debates. You see it in everyday life. People are just mean. People are just mean at times, aren't they? Uh, There's a a series of uh, stories that I hope are true about Winston Churchill, the the great leader of of Britain through uh, World War II, where there was a lady... Who, who just did not like him. And she would always show up in these fancy dinners and, uh, and the, uh, the, the, the parties of state and all that kind of stuff. And she and, and Winston Churchill would, would trade barbs back and forth. Well, one time she said, Winston Churchill, you're drunk. And he said, well, yes, I am, ma'am. But you're ugly. And tomorrow I'll be sober. See, oh, and we laugh a little bit, huh? Because that's a good one. Zing, zing. So what do you do? What do you do? Will you be offended that somebody actually insulted you, used words to put you down? And if you will be offended, let me ask you this. Why? Why? It's all about you. That's why we're insulted. Well, they call me stupid, and I'm not stupid. Well, they call me a jerk, and I'm not really a jerk. They call me ugly and fat and... Well, that's a bad example for me, but that's okay. Um, Two things I know. Two things I know. Watch this. Ask yourself this. When somebody does that to you, is the insult true? Is the insult true? Rarely is it. Odds are the person insulting you probably doesn't even know the truth. They're probably demonstrating some kind of knee-jerk reaction to something that they're feeling. They're mad at you. You did something that they didn't like. They're saying something about you. But what they're saying about you, is it true? Now, second thing is, if they do call you a jerk, and you are, (laughs) well, then, again, why would you be offended for somebody just telling you the truth? But if they're trying to devalue you by telling you something that is not true, 
if you really allow them to take the value away from you, maybe you're looking in the wrong place for your value as a Christ follower. Because it really shouldn't be about getting the applause of humanity. It should really be the applause of God and heaven and, and what he would say, good job, well done, good and faithful servant. It's really about that, not, not about what the, the, these people are saying about me. Instead, Jesus instructs that to just let it go. Let it pass, even to the point of ignoring when another one comes. Okay, so that's insult. Second of all, he brings up imposition. He says, and if somebody sues you and takes your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Now, this particular scenario that Jesus is referring to is actually being taken to court, presumably for something that you did wrong. Okay? At which point, again, if you really did something wrong, (laughs) then why are you going to be so upset that you have to make amends for what you did wrong? The person suing the, the person in this particular scenario isn't after the person's car or, or, or the house or the pension or anything else. They're after the tunic, which would most likely indicate that the damages done to the other party were not major, and they're not trying to take that rule of eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth to a ridiculous and insane extreme, as some people like to do today, to try to find as much uh, blood out of a turnip that they can find. Folks, Jesus is talking about when you have done something wrong to somebody else. And a court of law is now holding you responsible for making amends. We're not talking about frivolous lawsuits. We're not. We're not talking about, uh, you know, well, you're you're just blowing this out of proportion. You, You can't sue me. I've got rights. Listen, you have a court suit that requires you to pay for somebody's damages. Why? Because you probably caused damages. But I have seen far too often people who are called on the carpet for accountability for something that they were responsible for and they were offended that anybody would actually make them pay for the damages. They see it all as an imposition. And really, it's, if we want to look at it, it's an imposition on our pocketbook. Which, by the way, the money that you have in this life, does it go with you into the next life at all? Is it really about your possessions? Jesus said, you know what? What are the person who says that uh, their life is all about stuff? Because Why? Because there are no U-Hauls at the back of a hearse. Okay? Once you die, you don't take anything with you. And so if you're making a big deal about the stuff that is being taken care, t- taken out of your pocketbook, maybe we need to talk a little bit about having a better attitude about that. See, the, this comes up later on, by the way. When Jesus is talking about giving to uh, um, uh, someone who has something against you, you, you've gone to the altar, you're laying your gift at the altar, and there you remember that you've done something wrong to somebody. And Jesus says you need to leave that gift right there at the altar and go make amends. And then he says this, do it quickly before they even take you to court. Okay, well, how do you avoid court? Well, that's what Jesus is talking about. Pay the guy. Pay the person. Take care of what you owe. Take care of what you damaged. And then when Jesus says back here in our passage this morning to show that you're really sorry, to to really show a repentant heart, here's a crazy idea. Why don't you just give them a little bit more just to to make sure that you, you cared about them and you really want to make sure everything was taken care of. See, when we wrong somebody else and we're called into accountability, why? does a Christ follower find that offensive? 
Why, why do we fight it? Why not just be willing to give up what is needed to make things right with him again? Because relationships are so much more important and eternal than our possessions. Hmm. Thirdly, Jesus speaks of inconvenience. He says, if somebody forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the history behind this saying. Did you know that the Pony Express, that great American postal system, that wasn't an American idea. We actually got that from the Persians because the Persians would do this courier thing where they would put these little way stations up one, one day's journey apart from each other. So when somebody had something to deliver, a message to deliver, they could ride a day's journey from dawn to dusk, then they could stop, feed their horses, water the horses, pick up any provisions for themselves for the next day's journey, and so on and so forth. Such a great system that the Romans said, hey, that's pretty efficient. We want to do that as well. And so they began that same kind of courier system. But they actually thought then ahead to say, hey, listen, what if the courier, what if he got sick one day? Well, what if he got injured? Well, what if he had a problem that he could not do his job? <clears throat> well, the, the Romans thought ahead and said, well, maybe we should in, enact a law that says that that person could bring somebody else in as a helper for that day and ride that day's journey instead of them and, and maybe even uh, complete the task so that the courier job would have gotten uh, done and, and, and completed. Um, so by Jesus' day, uh, that then kind of evolved, uh, morphed into something else where whenever a Roman soldier would ask somebody who was living in the Roman Empire to carry their pack. Now, why are they doing that? Is it because they were a jerk and they, they oh, you, you, I, I'm tired of this pack? They're Roman soldiers, come on, they're, they're not going to be whining. Most likely, they were hurt or injured, or they could not do their job for that one day. So the, by Roman law, they were allowed to conscript or to recruit somebody living in the area to carry their stuff. But again, restraint, not going way above anything. You could only go one mile. You could only force somebody to go one mile out of their way. But that's still inconveniencing, isn't it? You, you got things to do, right? You, you got your, your plans. You, you got your schedule. And somebody's come in and say, well, Trey, I know that you got all these things to do, but I, I'm going to need you to take this out of your way for about a mile. Uh, uh. Well, I'm offended. I'm offended because that's not just one mile out of my way. Now I have to come back. And actually, that's very offensive to me. But here's the deal. Instead of finding this offensive, Jesus is saying, wow. Well, when somebody inconveniences you and says, hey, listen, I, I got a problem here. Can you carry my pack for about a mile? Even if it's a Roman soldier whose presence, it's, his presence itself in the Holy Land would have been an inconvenience, Jesus challenges us to rise above the offense and to offer to go the extra mile. And so when there is an opportunity for you to be a little inconvenienced to help one of our widows uh, in our church to move, It's kind of nice if you would be willing to do that. Well, that's a little inconveniencing, Trey. Yeah, yeah. And what if you were in that position? Wouldn't you want somebody to maybe pick up the slack for you as well? Well, Let me ask you this. Next week, the concept is going to be fleshed out even more because what Jesus tells us of our attitude towards our enemies because he's actually now going to say if you're going to be inconvenienced for somebody, you might be inconvenienced for a friend, but would you, would you be willing to be inconvenienced for an enemy? 
Now that's where uh, crickets should be chirping because that's a hard question to ask. But there is an importance of teaching us this as disciples because it would serve us well to take a step back if we're feeling offended, to put down our readiness to be offended and consider this. What if Jesus, being struck repeatedly and spit upon, lashed, flogged by the Jewish leaders and the Roman soldiers, what if he rose up and retaliated against those who were insulting him while he was on the way to the cross? What if he fought it? What if he fought tooth and nail to get his way so he, he could avoid the cross altogether? What if God didn't decide to go the extra mile in not just overlooking your sin, but sending his son to live a sinless life and then to be executed for something he didn't even do to actually take away your sin? What kind of mess would we still be in if God had not shown love to those who had made themselves his enemies And since we all know that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that category involves you. It includes you and includes me. What if God then, looking at all the offensive things you have done to him, what if he said, no, that's it. That's it. I'm not going to do anything for these people because they don't deserve it. But see, God has already demonstrated everything that Jesus is teaching to us here. So when we're offended by things like insult or imposition or inconvenience, it means that we've given into sinful things like unrighteous anger and self-centeredness and having an unforgiving spirit, holding grudges, focusing in on just the minor things that have imposed upon me and lifting me up even over Jesus. Uh, George Mueller was a man who uh, was one of the pioneers of the Plymouth Brethren movement of Christianity. He once wrote this. and This is amazing. He says, there was a day when I died, which is very interesting because he's writing this. So what, what does he mean? There was a day when I died, utterly died to George Mueller and his opinions, his preferences, his tastes, and his will. I died to the world its approval and its censure. I died to the approval or blame of even my own brethren and friends. And since I have studied only to show myself approved unto God. Folks, there's a pandemic going on in God's kingdom, and it's being offended, really way too easily offended. And and God has called us to live unoffendable in an offensive world. So how do you do that? What's the vaccine for that pandemic? It's adopting the biblical spirit, the spirit of Abraham who rushed to rescue his nephew Lot, who had cheated Abraham out of a lot of land. It's the spirit of Joseph. We talked about this at Easter. He forgave his brothers and tearfully embraced them, those who had sold him into slavery and thought that he was dead. It's the spirit of David. King David, who after being, uh, before he became king, he was being hunted by King Saul, a, a man who had been a close ally to David for so long, and now an evil, uh, angry, um, uh, possessed by a demon, Saul is now after David, and David gets two chances, two opportunities to kill Saul, and yet he doesn't. Or, or the spirit of Stephen in the early church, who was crushed beneath these bloody stones hurled at him by angry Jewish leaders. And he asked the Lord to forgive those who had just murdered him. And it's the spirit of Jesus who went to the cross for me, endured all that stuff, 
And yet, looking at the people who had just been horrible to him, said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they do. Folks, that's the vaccine. And it's not just a one and done like I got. I got the Johnson Johnson. It's a one and done, right? Yay. I, I figured I better since I'm having to wear the uh, bubble suit. But guys, this is an ongoing thing. It's dying to one's self so that we continue to decrease while Jesus increases. Jesus said to, to us in Luke chapter 9, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. You tell me the next word. Daily. See, this is not easy to do, is it? It's a discipline. It's something that disciples have to do. It's on a daily, daily basis. It's a daily dosage of humility. It's a daily do- uh, dose of self-sacrifice. And it's a daily dose of trusting God. Because God says, hey, listen, Trey, I, I know you were offended. Let me take care of it. Mm, I'm not sure I can trust you, God, because I don't want them dead now. I want to hurt them now. And God goes, hey, listen, uh, Paul says in Romans 12, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Carefully consider what is right in the eyes of everybody. And this is one of my favorite verses of all the Bible. If it is possible on your part, live at peace with everyone. Don't avenge yourself, beloved, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Do you trust that? Do you trust that? If you don't, I guarantee you this will be a struggle that you have. Because you can't stand seeing people, evil people, getting away with things right now i'd invite uh, daniel and the worship team to come on back up if you look at our title slide i i want you to see that that was a very um intentional thing uh that graphic for our sermon now that you've heard the sermon do you understand what the importance of that heart with a bird flying out of it is See, this is one of those practical things about faith. Can we get to a point where we're so okay in Christ that we trust him for everything? If so, if so, we will free our hearts from bondage. Because as soon as you start to hold a grudge and say, you know what, you've done something wrong to me and now I've got to get you back somehow, your heart is in bondage. It's held down. It is not light. You are not free. But God has said, I want to set you free But you will never be free until we can trust the one who has set the ground rules for life in the upside-down kingdom. Because God wants your heart to soar. He he wants you to be free from being so easily offended. And in finding that freedom, I think that we actually will begin to display God's full love to those people who desperately need to know his full love. You know, I love you, and I love serving as your pastor, and so sometimes we have to, to talk about these kinds of things, kind of like, oh, it's like, man, he, he left this kind of down. And again, if, if you were, if you were uh, offended by the Polish joke, I'm sorry. You can come up and talk to me, and I, I, will, uh, I will apologize. <clears throat> um, but I want to see us free of being held in bondage like that, and that's why we do this. By the way, next week, I, I want to encourage you to be here. Uh, I will not be here uh, most likely because my nephew is being ordained in Alabama. And so that's really a cool thing for me to be a part of if I can. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. And if uh, Rain Allen, if you're watching me, I'm, I'm going to come and see you if I can. Um, but, but Gabe, I, I asked him a long time ago if he would actually take this next part. And it's all about loving our enemies. Folks, even though you might say, well, Trey's not going to be here. I'm not going to be there. 
I can, I can go, it's a beautiful day, so I'm not going to come to church. Listen, I, I think what, what God's going to be speaking through, Gabe, is going to be so important about learning how to live like Jesus does, right? So why don't we stand? I'm going to pray, and then uh, we will uh, finish up with one more song, and then we are out of here. Father God, thank you so much for uh, challenging us in this way. God, I would pray that we would develop an attitude that says we are willing to forgive. We are willing to move on. We, we don't need to be petty. God, thank you so much for uh, teaching us about turning the other cheek and going the extra mile. And I would pray that as we do that as your people, that we would make a difference in people's lives and that somebody might see that, that glimmer of light in your kingdom that they need so desperately. So God, allow us to not be like the world, to not fall into that trap, but to rise above it. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.